having kind of a dark night of the soul, realizing I don't want to be that tough, you know, business person with that kills the competition and steals clients, blah, 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 all that stuff that just didn't feel good to me. And, and so as I was talking to the therapist, I realized, well, I either need to give up or I need to come up with a different way. And that's where this idea of back then, I called it the gentle business revolution. Welcome to Successful, the podcast, a show about the stories of women redefining success. We're your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Natalie. Like you, we're two career women figuring out the meaning of success. In each episode, we bring you our stories and the stories of other women who are redefining success in life, in work, and on their own terms. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Successful, the podcast. It is Natalie here, and I am joined by Carla. Hey, Carla. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everybody. Good to be with you. Yeah. And you are in New York right now. We were just talking about how you have the potential to have a very nice and snowy winter. And I'm stuck here in Dallas where we definitely don't have that chance. So I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> yeah. I came to visit my family for a few days before the, the holiday season and or the holidays. And it keeps saying that it's going to snow and I'm waiting anxiously for the snow because I'm actually going to be spending um, the actual holidays with Noah and with our dogs in Mexico on the beach. But before that, I thought, let's get a little Christmassy spirit in through the snow. And so, yeah, so I'm up in New York and it's nice. It's nice to be home. There's something very yeah. grounded, even though this isn't where I grew up just being in the same house where my parents live and I've been getting to see my siblings and also I'll be seeing Noah's family. And that's just very grounding. You know, it just reminds you about who you are and where you come from. Yeah. Season can provide that, you know, the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I love that you're getting both flavors of like, you're getting a Christmas holiday and you're getting like the the actual wintry weather. (laughs) A little bit jealous (laughs) of both. So both as you're me. as you're there, um, you know, kind of getting grounded, and I like I like to think about this time of year as kind of going inwards a bit and reassessing the year that's passed and and looking forward to the year that's coming up. Um, I'm curious about your business specifically. What are you thinking about for the new year, and do you have any intentions for what you're doing and what your business is in the new year? Yeah, I agree. This is such a great time of year. And I've I really rethought the way that I think about New Year's. I definitely used to be like, what's what are my goals, you know? And and when I learned through research that I've done for my business and talks that I've given, um, there's research that shows that only eight percent of people that set New Year's goals achieve them. Only eight percent. And there's a few reasons why that I won't get into right now, but but I've rethought about okay, how do I how can I think differently about goals? in a way that feels more like me and more exciting versus like things that I have to do. So I've been actually thinking a lot about my definition of success. You know, I I realized that it had been two years since I thought about that. 
Um, so that's been part of it for my business. But I've also been thinking a lot about how to how to elevate the way that I provide or that I am in service through my business, not just to my current clients that have already signed on to work with me, but to everybody, you know, and, and especially women in the workplace, no matter where they work, just women in the workplace. How can I really be in service to help women in the workplace, women that have careers to build joyful careers. That's really been been the theme that I've been thinking a lot about. And so I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been doing a lot of reflection on my values, doing a lot of reflection around like what feels good. Like how can I show up in service in a way that, that feels good? And there's a book that I've been reading uh, called Marketing Like We're Human. And it's actually very apropos because we are talking to the author of that book in today's podcast. And as I was telling you earlier, I was like, I'm not just reading her book because I knew she was going to be on the show. I'm reading her book because it's really helping me to think about how I can show up in my business in a way that's truly in service. And it's in a way that really reflects who I am, you know, what my story is. So that's something that I'm actually going to be working on today. She has a lot of really cool prompts around, like, who were you when you were seven years old? You know, like questions that there do require a little bit of time and thinking um, and a little bit of effort to really figure out like, who are you? And then then you can figure out how do you want to show up? So so that's what I've been doing. It's really going inward, as you say, uh, but really focusing on this idea of, of service in a way that, that feels good and that really does good in, in a way that really can help women think about how can I feel joyful? I, I've been talking to a few people recently about why this joyful career theme is important to me. And it's because I think that when we feel joyful, not only do we feel good, but we also do great work. You know, we also show up as high performers and we also build the relationships that are meaningful to us and we make the impact that we want to make. And and it starts with with the way that we feel, right? And, and the way that we think our energy. So so anyway, that's kind of what I've been focusing on, really thinking about for this for this next year is yeah. how do I show service? Yeah. It sounds like Sarah's so really- book has gotten you really thinking about that. So I'm excited to share the conversation that we have with her. Yeah. So let me tell you a little bit about Sarah Santa Croce. She is our guest today. And I love that Sarah describes herself as a hippie turned business coach. And she shares a little bit about her experience growing up in a hippie commune uh, on the show with us today. But she has written two books, including Marketing Like We're Human and Selling Like We're Human. And she hosts the Humane Marketing Podcast. And her focus is on working with heart-centered entrepreneurs and helping them question their assumptions when it comes to marketing and helping them also give permission to themselves to market their business in a way that is authentic to who they are, you know, their way, and also in a way that is gentle. So I'm really excited for you all to meet Sarah Santa Croce. Let's meet her. As many of you know, podcasting is such a rewarding and creative outlet for Carla and I. It's really a labor of love. As we're on this journey of growing our community and connecting with you all more, we're always thinking of new ways to share our content, to improve our episodes, and just to make it an all-around better experience for all of you. Something that is really helping us with optimizing our show and our content 
is our membership in the podcast space Friends and Trends group that we joined this year. If you're also interested in starting a podcast or maybe you already have a podcast and you want to grow it, the podcast Friends and Trends is the perfect community to grow your podcast. You get two live group calls a month, access to replays, resources to grow your show in between calls, and access to a community of like-minded podcasters, and it's so much fun. Join for $58 a month at thepodcastspace.com slash membership. We'll link it below in the show notes. We're really thankful to the Podcast Space for being the sponsor of this season. Happy podcasting. Welcome, everybody, and welcome, Sarah, to Successful the Podcast. It is such a pleasure to have you on our show. I think I've been telling you, and I've been telling Natalie, I've been enjoying your book, Marketing Like We're Human, so much. And one of the things that I want to do today, I was telling Natalie, is just curl up on a couch with a blanket, a little tea, and just keep working through your book. So it is just such a pleasure to have you on the show because I've been learning so much from you. And it's really cool when you get to meet and talk to someone that you admire because of their work, but you get to meet them in person. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for those kind words. Warms my heart. Thanks for, for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah. And Sarah, you're joining us from Switzerland. What part of Switzerland are you in? That's right. Yeah. I'm in the French speaking part. Um, so in Lausanne or Probably the international audience usually knows Geneva, so an hour away from Geneva. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're, we're in the holiday season right now, and it is just so beautiful there during this time of year. The little Christmas markets, and oh, I'm a little jealous. Yeah, there's that. But I was just telling Natalie before we hit record, it's actually gray and raining. And, and so, you know, there's always a picture perfect. And then there's the reality of things that today is yeah. not that great. But tomorrow, yeah, for the rest of the, the weekend and next week, they're saying it's going to be sunny and that that is nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'm in New York visiting my parents and I thought we'd have this like blanket blanket of snow and they've been predicting snow every day for the last three days and it's just rainy and gray and no snow. Yeah, it's not the oh, same, right? Need snow yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, maybe only yeah. white Christmas. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So Sarah, you know, you probably are the first guest that we've ever had on the show that is a self-described hippie. I love that. And you are a hippie turned business coach and you grew up in a commune. And I'm just so curious to learn more about that, that I I'm, I'm, can imagine a pretty foundational part of your life. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that and maybe a story that, that really brings to life what growing up like that was for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, I only kind of recently came full circle with that upbringing in that story before it was this thing that I was hiding away in a cupboard, you know, especially in the professional work, that was not something that I was wanting to share. It felt like so different and it felt like it didn't belong to the business world. And it just feels so liberating now to openly talk about it and, and actually I'm amazed that people are interested in it, right? They're like, oh, tell me more. (laughs) And I'm like, really? It was, you know, as a teenager, especially, I think, because those are kind of the last memories I have. It was like, 
not what everybody else was living. And that, as a teenager, is not usually what we want. We want to be the same, right? And so to me, uh, yeah, it always just felt very different. So I grew up in a, what I call a hippie commune. My parents didn't identify at least back then as like hippies, but you know, my dad had long hair and, and they, they were, they were mainly, I, I'd call them like political hippies. They were really into um, politics, obviously very left wing and, uh, you know, uh, rights, women rights, worker rights, that kind of thing. And so my parents bought an apartment building because in Switzerland and Europe in general, that's how we live in apartments. And so they, they bought a, a whole building uh, with six apartments together with uh, five other parties. And so that's how I grew up. There was, you know, five other parties, five other families. Um, most of them had kids. And so it was basically the adult commune and then the kids commune. And so us kids, we'd always hang out together. The parents, um, what I remember uh, is, well, we had, we organized a lot of, get-togethers, whether it was just lunch together or dinner, or then we had these parties that, you know, we organized in the basement or outside for the neighborhood. So uh, very much oriented towards, yeah, community living. Um, so, so that was kind of the positive side. And then I also remember kind of the difficult, challenging side, especially for the parents, because while they were you know, friends with these people, they were not necessarily all best friends. And so there was a, a lot of things that had to be decided in common and, and organized. And, and, you know, there was these duties, oh, you have garden duty, and you didn't do your job. So like, conflict resolution, and, and all of that. And what I realize now, looking back is, you know, the values that has, yeah, that, 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 living taught me that 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 this kind of community living that not everybody has that had that experience and that that is actually quite unique especially for the the work that I do today and the the community that I'm uh, growing with uh, humane marketing so so yeah it uh, it is definitely um, special and you asked me about a special story um, well just because we're before Christmas, ever since uh, we moved out of the community, because eventually my parents uh, needed more space and so they moved away, um, we are always meeting at Christmas. So we're always meeting uh, most of the people from the community. We're meeting them uh, on Christmas and, and, and having a, a shared Christmas together, which is always very special. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you have, even if you straight away from honoring that as part of the story that you would share with others, you know, in the business world, for instance, I, I love that you are now in a place where you've recognized the, the power of sharing that, right? And that that is, it's a, such a foundational part of how you grew up and what has shaped your values. And, right. and you teach that a lot through your work, really knowing and owning and leveraging your story to, to connect with one another. And you're, it seems like you're definitely practicing that. Um, right. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about, you know, your mission. So I, I love how you describe in your book, um, marketing, like we're human, that your big mission and you describe it on your website too, is to bring more empathy and kindness into the business world. I'm curious, 
and, and maybe it's part of how you grew up, but what are the key moments in your life that helped you to have this clarity that it was important for you to bring that empathy and kindness to the business world? Mm, yeah, it, it was definitely part of the growing up. Yes, there was always empathy and kindness in, the, in that community. But what I felt like going into business, it, it just felt like it's a tough environment, you know, to be in business. And I think, um, yeah, what I most clearly remember is the burnout sitting on a therapist's chair and just saying, look, this is, I'm not meant to be in business, I guess. It's just too tough, this environment. And, and, and yeah, having kind of a dark night of the soul, realizing I don't want to be that tough, you know, business person with that kills the competition and steals clients, blah, 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 all that stuff that just didn't feel good to me. And and so as I was talking to the therapist, I realized, well, I either need to give up or I need to come up with a different way. And that's where this idea of back then, I called it the gentle business revolution. So a revolution, but one that is gentle and humane and kind of, you know, being in business, but not looking at business as something where we need to act a certain way in order to, you know, get the most out of it, but more like, okay, this is, we are creating our lives. We are creating a living uh, we're in business, but we can be in business uh, gently and kindly. So, yeah, luckily I made that curve and that's now my my calling is to bring more empathy and kindness to the business world. Yeah. I have to say, I underlined a part of your book. I underlined a lot in your book, <laughs> but there's one one part, one sentence that I really like. You said, we're moving from the information age to the intuition age learning to perceive with our whole brain and body. And I think that for me kind of exemplifies that, that it's no longer about in the business world about being a certain way or, or you know, a certain way that other people want us to be, but it's really about connecting with ourselves and connecting in a way that is whole, right? That is, that, that reflects all the wholeness that money mm-hmm. can bring into the business world. So I, I really love that, um, mm-hmm. that thought of it's not just who you think you should be it's who you are that's the person that you need to bring and and that's how we can really build empathy and kindness by bringing ourselves as whole humans and connecting with others in that same way so yeah exactly it starts with yourself and 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 i think that's why i could write this book because i went on that journey to find myself and reconnect with who i truly was where you know, for 10 years, I was building a LinkedIn consulting business, not really coming from that true self. And that created a lot of frustration and resistance, because when you don't show up as your true self, then, yeah, it's exhausting, because you're always trying to be someone that you're not. And that, especially for, um, you know, highly sensitive people like um, I am, that takes a lot of energy trying to be someone that you're not. And so coming full circle and coming from the center, from this intuition place, it it just makes everything easier. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting to me because marketing 
so you work in the marketing space and, and I've been really attracted to the work that you're doing because I'm building a business. But I think that this can apply. The work that you're doing applies for anyone, right? Just the way that we show up in our corporate job, for example. Um, but it's interesting because marketing can be this 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 industry or this field that feels that can sometimes feel like a little bit icky or like, Oh, I have to market myself. And you're really revolutionizing and transforming how we view that um, mm. particularly through what you, you just mentioned the the humane business revolution. I'm right. curious to know a little bit more about what problems you're seeing in marketing and how through your work you're helping to solve those problems. Yeah, um, I I really think like in these 10 years, 15 years that I grew up in this online marketing world, starting out in 2007, uh, marketing, maybe already before, yes, it always had kind of this reputation of being a bit sleazy and dirty. But over the last decade, it really took another dimension, like it, it, it became this thing where Everybody was telling us, especially like big guru marketers were telling us to use these certain techniques like scarcity and and shaming and manipulation and false urgency. All these techniques that we see when we go out there and look for marketing advice, that's what we're told in most of the programs. It's like use these things and create funnels and then uh, everything is always profit oriented. Um, towards making the biggest profit the fastest possible. And so all of that was just really not working for me anymore. I'm like, how could we treat people, humans, in a way like, you know, like numbers or in the book, I, I, I say like sheep, you know, it's like everybody is the same and we don't really treat them as, as humans. And um, this yeah, I, I could just not deal with that anymore from the a place of integrity. It just felt so, so wrong. And I I feel like more and more people come to this conclusion because consciousness has risen over the last, let's say, five years that people are now at this place where they can tell when marketing is false or, you know, people are lying or or or. or yeah, there's shaming involved, all of these things. Uh, people can now tell because of what we've experienced over the last five years. I'm thinking of a certain president in the US and, you know, all of these events that kind of like brought us to this place where we're like, we're done with this BS. We don't want any of that. We're way smarter. We see through it. Um, and so that's what I think the humane marketing revolution is all about. So on one hand, yes, bring more empathy and kindness to uh, business. On the other hand, it's like, well, let's look at marketing. Let's see how we market. Is it ethical? Is it really kind to humans? Or are we just selling more stuff in order to make more profit? Um, of course, you bring then also in this idea because I define humane marketing as marketing for the generation that cares for our clients, for, first for ourselves, for our clients and the planet. So these three things uh, really matter. And, and we've already talked about ourselves, uh, our clients. Yes, they matter. 
and the planet matters, you know, given where we are, um, the time we have maybe left, uh, or at least the time we have left until we change things is really crucial. And so marketing really needs a revolution if we want to continue to be humans and, and have a planet to live on. So that's that. those are the thoughts behind the why we need a revolution and it needs to be a kind revolution. I'm curious, just because I, I work in the sustainability space, um, what that looks like in terms of marketing and the intersection between that and the health of the planet. Um, can you make that connection right. for us? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't know you're in the sustainability field. So, so yeah, um, I think the way we've looked at marketing until now is a way to always sell more. It's very capitalistic, right? It's like, yeah, we need marketers in order to sell more shit. <laughs> and, and if you look at it from the sustainability angle, um, I think we're, we're not going to change. Maybe we will change capitalism, but I think we're still going to be in business and exchange services and goods, right? But if we want to do business for good, we also have to change the way we market. And that's what I've been frustrated with is that we are talking about you know, the B corporations and business for good and all of that, but nobody has yet looked at how do we adapt marketing because we can't talk about business for good and still use the same marketing techniques that are just meant to sell more or, you know, push people to sell more. So that's how I think it's related that, that we are just more aware of, um, yeah, why we sell. And maybe that there's limitations in, in the sale, selling department. Yeah. And it, it does seem like I, I understand where you're coming from. It's it's interesting because it's like, do we actually need these things? I think we have that mm -hmm. urgency, like you said, to buy, 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 especially during this time of year. But do we actually need yeah. it? And are companies mm -hmm. acknowledging like, hey, you may not you may not need our product, but here's why it could be good for you. So I, I kind of see right. I see where you're coming from there. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, obviously Patagonia is always the first mm -hmm. example that that we look at, and the, this idea, um, you know, that they, I think one of the campaigns they had that said, "Don't buy this jacket or these pants or whatever it was," right? And so just draw attention to the fact that maybe you don't need a new jacket right now, but if you do you know, then buy this jacket. So kind of like a reframe of making us think more. And I think it's the same in in service. Um, right now, I'm, I'm kind of launching a program in January. And I, I really focus on this idea of figuring out if that is the next step for people who sign up, right? Is this the right fit for you? And is it the right fit for you at this moment? Because if it's not, then you probably won't get the results that I want you to get. And so, unfortunately, that's not the norm yet. The norm is, I'm just going to sell you my $2,000 program uh, to as many people as I can. 
And I don't really care whether you get results or not, right? As long as I made the sale, then I move on. And so really reframing that whole thing and saying, well, yeah, we, we want people to get results. That is, uh, you know, that is ethical. That is kind to them. Uh, and it's kind to ourselves as well, because we, we sleep better at night if we know that we've done our best work. It sounds like not only are you encouraging people who are selling to come from a place of authenticity, but you're encouraging the buyers themselves to come from a place of authenticity and ask themselves if they really do need this product or if it will really help them. So it all sounds like encouragement to be one's true self. Encouragement. And, and I think it's, it's like empowerment almost for our clients because we have been brainwashed for so many years to just buy, buy, buy from this place of fear that I'm not enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not smart enough, et cetera, et cetera. Because we haven't questioned our assumptions. And that's really what I'm trying to, to do, even with my own clients. Like, yeah, question all your assumptions. Do you really need this? Do you want it? Is it going to be helpful? And if I do that with my clients, then they will do it with their clients, right? So it's, there, there's this ripple effect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what, what you're talking about really is resonating with me, especially as you're talking about like the programs that you're selling, right? I, I've been in my business becoming a lot more connected to the emotion behind what I'm selling, uh, which really is connected to service, right? I know that when I'm feeling oh, like resistance or a little bit of like that ickiness factor, it feels, I, I can start to interpret logically that that's because I'm not truly in service. It's because I'm trying to sell something. It's because I'm trying to push something. But right. when I feel calm and when I feel really in a place of, of love and just authenticity, then, then, then you can sell in a way that, that is different, in a way right. that really is focused on true needs and really wanting to help and really believing that you can help. And, and it's just interesting to me how emotions play such a big role. Like it's something that I've been learning a lot about how to really connect with my emotions and notice how they show up differently, depending on how I'm trying to sell or, or market my business. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how, how that shows up for you. If, if you have learned over the years to really, I mean, it sounds like you have like really pay attention to how, to what your emotions are telling you about right. the way that you're moving. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it's, it all comes from the gut, right. <laughs> or this place somewhere inside us that, that tells us. Uh, and, and at the same time, I think it's normal to go back to the ego every now and then. And, but what I've learned over the last few years is, to, to notice when that happens, right? Uh, to notice, oh, my ego has been triggered again. And, you know, step away and say, is this really what I want? Or is this really truly how I want to be and how I want to show up? And then come back to the heart, because usually the heart doesn't, knows the answer that that is not the right move. And that's why back again, what you said before, that's why we're coming away from the information age and going into the intuition age, right? It's like even making buying decisions with our intuition 
there's a way different different emotions are triggered um and so i think that that is really yeah it, it's just it feels really different if you buy or sell uh from that place compared to from the uh fear of missing out or the ego is telling me i should be doing this or th that it just yeah feels completely different yeah it really does and you talk about um you know the way that we show up in a place of being true to ourselves and i, I love how you spend a lot of time in your book emphasizing how important it is to know your own story, kind of going back to asking you about your own story, you know, how has, you know, you talked about values. And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about for myself is when you show, when I'm showing up for my clients, I want them to get to know the true me, you know, who I am, what I stand for in order for them to build trust. And I can imagine that we have listeners that maybe are trying to figure that out too. Some of our listeners are entrepreneurs, as well, and they're figuring out how to market their service. Some of our listeners work in other types of environments where they might work, you know, in a corporate environment, for example, and there's marketing there too, right? Like how do you sell your skills and how do you um, tell your story? And I'm curious if you can share a few prompts or, or maybe some questions that you think are important for us to ask ourselves as we get clarity on our stories in order to be able to show up in service of others. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it's so easily said, you know, what's your story? Uh, tell me your story. Um, but to really, yeah, get that. And especially if you were an entrepreneur, um, really get to the point of why you're also in business. I think that is a key thing that I work on with, with my clients. And it seems almost trivial, but it's so, so important because today as entrepreneurs, I think people buy into our story. They don't just buy from us. They don't, it's no longer a transaction. They buy into us. And so that means they buy into your story they buy into your why they buy into your worldview and your values and so um it's funny because i'm i'm thinking about uh, simon sinek's book starting with the why and i guess that could be a good place to start for your listeners um but i also want to share that when i first read simon sinek's book uh, um, a few years ago i felt like well I don't know, I guess this why just doesn't apply to me. I don't have a why. I was still in my LinkedIn consulting business and it almost felt like it's another thing I have to do now, right? R rather than be and concentrate on the being, it felt like that's now another thing I have to check off my list and do and find this why. And And I heard that from clients as well. They're like, I'm so lost in this search of my why. And what I usually say is, is then, then leave it. You know, don't try to be stubborn about finding this why. Just leave it. Just keep asking yourself questions like, what matters to me most? What did I do when I was a child? Uh, uh, to go back to the sustainability, uh, what I do with clients is have a look at the 17 sustainable development goals. Uh, look at those and see from like a big picture from the world's biggest issues right now, 
which ones of those also resonate with you on a personal level? Like, what do you care about? Is it the oceans? Is it uh, women's rights? Is it, um, you know, energy? What What is it that really matters to you? Uh, because I really feel like, again, people buy into you and your worldview as much as they buy your service or your your product. So that's where I would start. And and then maybe end with the why. I think I say that in the book. So so Simon Sinek, um, yes, he was on to something, but I would not take it like a to-do thing now where it's like, oh, you have to you know, get your why and, and formulate it in this beautiful sentence <laughs> that often when you see that on people's website, it's like, hey, did you buy that off a website <laughs> or something? So it needs to be authentic. And if it's authentic, it, it, there needs to be some really deep work underneath it. And those questions help. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say. I find that so interesting. I was actually just listening to um, another podcast with Joanna Gaines. I don't know if you know her. She's from Fixer Upper. Um, I don't know. She, yeah, it's in the U.S. She, her and her husband fix up houses and they have this whole empire okay. where they have all of these branch off mm-hmm. businesses now from that and they've been extremely successful. And she wrote a book recently um, and I think she had that kind of dark night of the soul where she lost her intention. So I think everything that they mm. had done up until then, they had really had an intention behind each thing. And when she said that, mm-hmm. I was like, well, no wonder they're so successful. They really were intentional about, intentional about all of their business decisions. But when she lost right. that and lost that capability of setting that intention, of setting that why, um, she felt lost. And I, I find that right. so interesting. I'm making this connection in my head. And I'm actually with my husband right now thinking of starting um, not necessarily a business, but just sharing some of our creative projects. And you're getting my wheels turning about, well, what would our why be about sharing, mm-hmm. you know, these things that we're doing in our life? Um, what are we yeah. What are we trying to, you know, help other people with or what are we trying to get for ourselves? Um, and I'm thinking it could be something as simple as sharing our creativity right? It it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be something incredibly deep. It can just be wanting to maybe inspire people to be more creative or or share their own projects. That is deep, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is deep, actually, uh, to bring more creativity into the Mm -hmm. world, right? Usually, what another good question that you just made me think of is is like, what is one thing that you want to fix in this world? Mm -hmm. And so maybe for you and your husband, it is this idea of well, people are not really using their creativity anymore. Um, you know, everybody always says, I'm not creative and school killed my creativity. And yet um, I'm talking about creativity because it's really, really uh, important for humane marketing. Actually, when I started researching the the this book from... Um, Daniel Pink uh, called A Whole... I think it's A Whole New Mind... Um, where he says that right brainers will rule the world. And I really, really think that's what we need right now in the in where we are in, you know, in the problems we have in this world. And yes, it's also related to, to marketing, uh, especially to humane marketing, because we need to bring more of us to marketing, right? And so that also means 
really turning on that right brain that is the creative brain and not just the analytical brain that follows six steps or follows everybody else's success formula. And so people who bring more creativity to the world, those are the ones we need right now. Those are the ones who are going to come up with new ideas um, that are not based on linear thinking, right? Because linear thinking, that's what got us into this mess. And so we need to somehow step out of that. Yeah. And that's where the intuition lies too, right? In that right brain, mm -hmm. kind of tapping into yeah. that more creative yep. space and not trying to put so much structure around things. So I see it's all connected. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. that. Well, that helps me as I'm thinking there's about this. It is actually deep. <laughs> there's something that you said, Sarah, around, you know, doing less and being more. And it reminds me of a, a principle that I, I learned as a coach and I now share with my clients, which is the saying that doing is work and being is effortless. Mm -hmm. And I love that reminder because it's connecting back to that, that those feelings, right, that we were talking about. Like when we're doing and when we're feeling like thinking like, oh, I have to put out more messages and I have to I have to do all these things. Right. Keyword being there have to it's because we're doing it's because we're we're stepping outside of of ourselves because yeah. of what somebody else told told us that we need to do. Right. Like a marketing guru. But when we're just being it feels effortless, it feels calm, it feels in alignment, it feels good. Um, so, so yeah, I, I love that saying, you know, doing is work, being is effortless. And, and I think that when we are being, we can connect so much more deeply with one another through our marketing, but also in our relationships with each other, right? People see yeah. through, through it when we're not being, when, when we're doing and not being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. Mm -hmm. What, what advice would you give to listeners just to, to work more on that? Like, like really connect more with being versus, versus doing whether they're marketing or, or not. I was just thinking when you were saying being is effortless, I would say it's effortless once you found who you are being. And it takes a little bit of effort to actually want to find out who you are. And I found that, especially in the marketing field, most people don't want to take that time to find out who they truly are. They just want to you know, skip ahead and go into the doing. Um, and so I, I, the, the advice I would give is, is, well, take the time to find out who you truly are, because most of us have forgotten who we are because we're in this trance of always doing. Maybe thanks to COVID, we kind of got a reminder or a glimpse of, you know, okay, this was weird. This, this was maybe who I truly was, but maybe now, by now, everybody's back into the hustle. But yeah, I would say take the time to truly find out who you are so that then it becomes effortless. But I do think there's a little bit of effort involved first. And and it's not, it doesn't have to be a painful effort, but it's just kind of like this, this place of curiosity where you take the time to, you know, hire a coach like you and find out, you know, what, what is it? Who, who am I? What is it that I want to do and why? Um, 
maybe even like what I do with my people in the in the program is we uh, have a look at all these personality tests or assessments, right? The the uh, MBTI or the uh, introvert extrovert, uh, the the Enneagram, the human design astrology, all of these things, they help us find out more about who we truly are and also um, maybe who we're meant to be. Human design is really strong about that. It's like, well, how are you wired? Who are you meant to be, right? So that, I find that is, is work that, yeah, not everybody is willing to kind of spend some time on. Uh, but if, I find that if we want to be in business for a long time and and create a sustainable business, then that is the only way to do it. Because otherwise, again, you 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 know you go into the hustle mode, the doing mode, and two years later you wake up and you have a business that you don't even like. So, yeah, <laughs> I love that you include uh, astrology and human design in the personality um, test that you do. I think that's amazing. Carla and I are both interested in those. And we've actually had an astrologer on the show. um, And she talks about human design as well. So I I absolutely love that. And it's it's triggering for me a thought that's really interesting um, because on this journey to personally kind of understand myself more, and I love those two tools, it's not something that I've necessarily applied to my corporate job. These are things like, oh, well, if I could have my ideal job, it would be X, Y, Z, and it would allow me to be my true self. Well, how do I incorporate that more into the place where I'm at now? Um, I haven't really mm-hmm. thought about that. So you're really making me me think a bit more deeply about how can I bring my true self to this job that doesn't necessarily lend itself as naturally to being one's true self. It it does take a little bit of work and kind of maybe fighting yeah. upstream a bit. Again, I think if you ask yourself questions, if you come from this place of curiosity, then maybe you can find, you know, small projects within the job that will be more um, exciting for you and more aligned with your human design or your astrology. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm curious. So Carla mentioned that you talk a lot about defining success or your definition of success in your book, which is something that we're very passionate about. It's the whole basis of this podcast. Um, So why do you feel that that's important to include in your book? And how do you think our listeners can figure out their definition for themselves? I find it's so important if you are uh, like Carla, going out and creating a new business. Uh, A lot of people who come from the corporate world who are kind of uh, grown up in this mainstream definition of success of always looking for the next promotion, climbing up that corporate ladder, uh, you know, a bigger house, a bigger car, et cetera, et cetera. That's just what we're fed as this is how you define success, at least until now. Luckily, the millennial generation kind of starts to see it a bit differently. But until now, that was the definition of success that we were being fed. And I think um, if we come from that definition and go into marketing our 
own business. And we're then exposed to guru marketers who tell us uh, to build a six, seven figure, eight figure business within three or six months. And this is how you have to do it and hustle your way there and all of that. Then that can just be very, very destroying actually for people um, because it's not, it. A, it's not that easy. And B, um, it's just not a healthy way to look at success, I think. Um, just only following money or ego-defined kind of accomplishments as success. So that's what I'm trying to, yeah, to to kind of share in the in the book that maybe we got it all wrong and you know the the way you should or the way that hopefully will be different uh for you to look at success is to think about your last day and think about what really matters on this last day what are who are the people that surround you on this last day those are the people who really matter right yes um you know, maybe you have influenced a few other people and, you know, written a book that has been read, but are those really the people that are going to be at your bedside on the last day? Probably not. So, so just thinking from that perspective of the last day and what you're going to look back onto, it's usually not the professional stuff. <laughs> it's usually the, you know, the, the family moments, things like that. So, just looking at it from that point of view, I think changes everything. I think that's such a powerful tool to, that, that anyone can use to just put themselves in that mindset of what's going to really matter at the end. And it's something that I, I ask my clients too. And I actually have them go through a visualization exercise where they imagine that their older, wiser self, like maybe the 70 or 80 year old version of themselves is sitting next to them. And I have them imagine like, what, is, what does she or he look like? You know, what, what's the expression in her eyes? And what is the wisdom that she has to share with you? And that's something that I've been doing right now with my clients a lot, especially with a new year, you know, like thinking about not just goals, which is what we tend to always jump to. Like, what are my top goals for the year? It's like, okay, let's, let's skip that for now. Let's jump ahead to the end of life. So we can right. look at the bigger picture of yeah. what truly matters. So I love yeah. that that you have, that you would you know, recommend that as a technique because it can be it can be a little jarring to think of ourselves on our deathbed. You know, gosh, like that's that's a sad thing to think about for many, but it can really put things into perspective on mm-hmm. on what truly matters. Yeah. yeah, and I think that you know you mentioned entrepreneurs, and certainly I have thought a lot about my definition of success in that realm but natalie and i are seeing through a podcast and this is what we we want to encourage through our, our work here is that everyone does that right it, like whether you're an entrepreneur or not if you're in a corporate environment or and you know other types of environments start to question that definition of success that that you've been hearing throughout your life because it doesn't have to be that definition and we currently recently had a a listener that told us that she was going back uh, to work to her corporate job after maternity leave, and she defined what success meant to her. You know, she we, we, from the podcast, she thought about that and she wrote it down and she put it next to her desk 
just as a reminder, a daily reminder when things are getting hectic at work, when all those emails are coming in and deadlines, to look at her definition of success and remember what really matters to her. And so that's such an inspiring story and, and just shows that we all can be thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask Sarah, what is your definition of success and how has it evolved for you over time? Yeah, thank you. I actually don't have like a fancy, you know, one phrase definition of success because it it always changes. Uh, right now, I do feel like I need a lot of spaciousness in my life. And so that means that I organize my work and yeah, how I how I get paid, I organize around the spaciousness. So by spaciousness, I I mean, um, you know, I need to I want to do yoga in the morning. I want to go outside in nature at lunch. I want to do my yoga nidra after lunch. <laughs> I want to see my friends. So so I need to somehow fit the work in that spaciousness. And so that right now is is my definition of success to to get paid fairly for work that I love and have all this space in my life to to be quiet as well and not do anything uh, or to be in nature. My theme for 2023 is reconnect with nature. I really want to spend much more time out, outside and and whether that is alone or with friends or or with my husband, just reconnect with uh, being outside more. Um, so yeah, right now that is my definition definition of success. And you're so right; it it changes, right? Uh, um, how has it evolved? Well, when I started out my business, my kids were still very young; they were three and um, no, yeah, three and six, and so. Uh, back then being able to raise my boys was like high up there on how I define my success Uh, now I hope I have done a good job they're 19 and 16 and so they they still need me but you know in different ways um so so yeah it's interesting how it's not always the same and it shouldn't be um but in the end yeah it should always involve you know, prioritizing what matters uh, to to ourselves. And that, yeah, depends on our phase, the phase we're in currently in our lives. All of those things that you were rattling off really speak to me. The yoga in the morning, the nature at lunch, all of these things I think Carla and I both try to incorporate. And what's so interesting is um, I was actually speaking to somebody that yesterday at my company and she's like, people don't talk enough about what they do during their work day that's not work. Like I don't know who's going for a run over lunch or who works out in the morning or who's taking care of their Mm. kids simultaneously. Like we just don't talk about that stuff enough and it really humanizes people um, and it helps you to see what they value as well and get to know them better. So I really, really love that you shared all of that. So our listeners are career-driven women who are defining and pursuing success on their own terms. Um, What is a message that you would want to share with these women? Hmm. Maybe what you just said, you know, talk about 
your life. Talk your talk about being human at work. You know, my book is called Marketing Like We're Human. How about you know being an employee like you're human or or career? I don't know how you the title, but being in a career like you're human. So talk about these things, uh, especially as women, we're we're good at that, right? Who said we can't talk about? Yeah, being human at work. I think that would be the first thing that I would love to change if I was in in the corporate career. Saying, "Hey, let's take off the masks." I think uh, the reason I quit corporate is I just couldn't deal with the masks. Like it feels feels sad to me that we're still in this corporate environment where we're all just wearing masks, masks, talking to masks. So I'd say take off the mask and be human. Thank you for that, Sarah. That's a beautiful way to to help us wrap up, take off the mask, be you, be human. And through that, you can encourage others to do the same. As we wrap up, Sarah, please tell us where our listeners can find you. You talked about a program you're launching in January. I know you have two books, you have a podcast. How can people connect with you and learn? I mean, I'm getting so much value out of the work that you have and I want other people to do that as well. So tell us where, where to go. Thank you, Carla. Yeah. My website is humane.marketing. So no.com, just .marketing. Um, the two books are Marketing Like We're Human. The second one is Selling Like We're Human. Uh, the podcast is Humane Marketing. You find that on iTunes or wherever else you're going. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're interested in kind of questioning your assumptions around marketing, you can go to humane.marketing forward slash one page, the number one in the word page. And that is a one-page marketing plan that really... If, yeah, it helps you question around the seven P's of humane marketing, but also like, like, how are you looking at these different pieces of your business? And uh, again, it's empowering you to come up with your own answers. And so I hope that's useful to people. I want to second how, how or emphasize how valuable that is. I'm, I'm working my way through that one page marketing plan that you have and and you send daily emails on the different components of the plan today i'm I'm talking or i've been thinking about um passion for example you know people who are your who are you serving and why so you, you have some really powerful questions that that you ask through that so i highly recommend people take advantage of that thank you sarah it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today the work that you're doing is so important and, and I really value you spending time with us to share your perspective and help us change the way that we approach marketing as well as just build relationships with one another. So thank you so much. It's been a delight. Thanks for having me, Carla and Natalie. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Successful the Podcast. We want to know, how are you redefining success? Drop us a note on Instagram at SuccessfulThePod or email us at SuccessfulThePodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your story and share it with our listeners so we can keep growing this amazing community. If you love this episode, share it with a friend and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your review helps others find the show and feel inspired to redefine success on their own terms. We'll see you in the next episode.